All right, gentlemen. I think this is episode 29. We were off last week. We were off the week before. I don't know either way, but. We've missed one somewhere along the way. Yeah, I just. Number-wise. If you're listening, thank you. We're almost a 35. Yeah, the number doesn't matter. Somewhere we're, along the way. Episode almost 35. Yeah, we're almost a 35 <laughs> where we're supposed to see growth. So, uh, first bit of business. The website is live. We have been promising this for weeks. Website is live. Threestarrecruits.com. You can go there for all of our blogs, all of our podcasts. If you do Daily Fantasy on DraftKings, our man Breezy is going to be providing all of you with your information on how to do your do your lineups, set your lineups. Uh, first looks will be going up Wednesday. The first podcast is currently up now. First podcast, first video up for first looks. Final decisions will be going up Saturday. He will post that sometime this weekend. So be on the lookout for that. Also, picks and bets this week. That has been posted to the website. Uh, those were done by yours truly. So if you guys have any uh, bets you want to put in, those are my analysis that I've done thus far. It's kind of tough with week one. No preseason. We've seen absolutely nothing. We're going off reports of what's going on in camp. Yeah. I did the best I could. It doesn't even feel like football should be starting tomorrow. No, but I am excited. I took the weekend off to watch football. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong one. (laughs) So I am pumped that, yeah, we at least are having football. So, yeah, go check out the website. I mean, Shane, thank you. You did a very nice job on the website. It looks rock solid. Yep. Uh, I texted him last night. Like, seriously, really, really good website, very good quality. Sent it off to a couple people today. They're like, "This is this is good." Who did that? I'm like, "I know a guy." If you need a website, let me know. I can redirect you. So, uh, so let's get started. We have some, uh, we have some orders of business. We had a, we had a long running bet. I say long running it was like three weeks for the championship. Did we have a winner? Who was it? <clears throat> that would be me. Thank you. Oh, got a stat boy. He had DJ. Yeah. 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 Who did everybody else have? I, I'm, I'm positive. I'm pretty sure Russ took second. I didn't have anybody even close. Me I had Rory. It was the closest. He so had, I had Justin Thomas. So he, he tied for second. So, so you teed for T2, yeah. Which was like $4 million. So. Four so and a half. So Those payouts were crazy. I don't know if you saw yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, list at the end. That was, I mean, just yeah. going there. It's like, who cares what you shoot? You're going to make a shitload <laughs> yeah. of money. Wasn't it down to like sixth place or something? Made at least All a, over a million dollars. A million yeah. Dollars. Yeah, some, yeah, Rory was just under a million. I think he finished T9, but there was three yeah. guys there, right? Yeah, there's a couple of those guys. Tied I think for eighth. He was tied for eighth. It wasn't. Okay. Like some Munoz. of those guys, that, like Sebastian Munoz, I think he made a decent amount of money. And obviously just getting there, you get invites yeah. to all the majors and yeah. everything right. else. And I think there's more for like top ten there, so. Yeah, I mean, congrats to DJ for winning the net tour championship and finished T third gross um, <laughs> at the handicap tour championship, which we'll get into. But yes, because um, I know you have things you want to say about this. Yeah. I was so I was so like I enjoyed the shit out of it Sunday. I watched. I mean, I watched from start to finish. Just after we got home from golf, I was just like locked in. I watched watched golf. And I watched all the back nine that was commercial free. Thank you, whoever paid for that. And as excited as I was to watch the golf and see the finish, I was equally angry and instantly that night did a bunch of research, 
wrote a blog out on a website, threestarrecruits.com, and my opinions on the Tour Championship. There needs to be some changes. Yeah. I, I, I At least Shoffley and JT made it semi-exciting coming down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And Rom. Yeah, Rom made a little comeback. Yeah. JT had a chance. I think he had a bad bogey on eight and a bad bogey on 17, 17. which really hurt him. He had a really good chance to make yeah. a run at it. Are you thinking complete overhaul or just not 10 <laughs> shots, but maybe five shots or something to that extent? There should be no shots. I, yeah, I would. That's a start. I, not to toot my own horn, but I still feel like the idea I discussed last week where. You know, by the time you get down to, you do it at every step. But by the time you get down to the top thirty, you just have a tournament, and mm-hmm. whoever wins that tournament yeah. wins the tour championship. I tutored the fuck out of your horn on my blog. <laughs> I'm gonna have to read that. He, he heard, he heard it at work. He was like, mm-hmm. I, "I mean, you're basically taking the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson, and letting him play. I guess there's four rounds, so as a two and a half handicap, you're giving the guy ten strokes to the number one player in the world. Like half the field's eliminated." So after, Done. I would even say more than that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I would say twenty-five of the players are eliminated. I have some stats here. I'll share with you guys. So, I re-listened to our podcast from last week, and we kind of talked about how some people are talking about this is like the fifth major. Like that's yeah. complete horseshit. It is. The more I think about it, yeah. I think we all had agreed on it like two weeks ago that it kind of is the fifth major. But now after watching it, I think we've all reframed. I. If you take oh, yeah. the strokes out of it, I totally agree because that course is set up like a major, like a major, the roughest. It is terrible. set up like a major. Yeah. Yes, the the strokes make it not even Correct. close to Correct. a major. Yes, especially when I, it's set up that way because you don't have the chance to make a run when you you can't attack the golf yeah. course. You're just trying to yeah. hold on. Yeah, and that was up. our consensus even two weeks ago. Or my thoughts personally for Chicago was the guys who were outside that top thirty. How do you make a run when you like you just said? You're trying to hold on. That course was so tough two weeks ago in Chicago that how, do, how does a guy go out and, like, have a chance to maybe shoot 62 and getting into that top 30? That's more exciting to me. Right. I mean, you want to get crazy or you want to do these outside-the-box ideas. I'd rather have them, once they get to the top 70, have all 70 guys remain for a two-week tournament. If you want to, if you want DJ to start with strokes, make him earn it the week prior. If he Why finished not? the tournament prior, if he won by two strokes or whatever, have those scores carry over and go to a new a cumulative. Start, kind and then of you thing. start Eastlake with another course. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's another great. Yeah. I mean, all but these it, ideas are better than what they've come yeah. up with. At least that way, the stroke he starts with, he earned the week prior. Yeah, and obviously, they've made a ton of. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see changes because we've seen two different cha- big changes already in the first. In the last, what, six years maybe? Because they used to go four events. They used to go 125 to 100 to 70 to 30. They took the 100 one out, and then they put the stroke thing in. So we've already seen changes in the last six years, so I wouldn't be surprised to see another one coming. I think they need to add an event, and it's not the 100. I think they need to go 125, 70, 30, 16. This is my bright idea. I want I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on this. They go 16, top 16 goes, because statistically only 13 of the 30 players had a scoring average last week lower than the entire field. So that is more than half the field is basically eliminated. They're not going to, they're not going to, they can't even make a run. Go 16 guys, four-day tournament, course of their choice, whoever the tour wants to put it, I don't care where it is, 
match play. And on Sunday afternoon, we see two guys duke it out for $15 million, and the loser gets $5 million. I would rather see that than the current format. I would pay pay-per-view prices to watch that. Yeah. That'd be exciting to watch. John I mean, Ryan would shit his pants and sold to Shambo. I see issues with it, but I like where you're headed. I don't know how you can just last minute say, well, we're going to pick a course now. Well, they can't no, do no, a last no. minute. It would be a change that say, okay, starting in this year, it would probably be like a uh, two-year advancement. I think that's usually how they do it because the schedule for next year is already set. Uh, I just don't like the 10 shots. This is uh, – this is the equivalent of any of us going out in a men's league at our local golf course and shooting anywhere from even par to a couple under and losing because we just gave uh, Johnny Smith seven shots for the night. Yeah. And right. you lost. And then they go in the bar and they're like, yeah, I won my match tonight. It's like, no, you didn't. Okay? You didn't. And not only did, again, Graz DJ, you, you won based on how it is. Shoffley beat him by four shots for the weekend. Four shots. Yes. And I understand, and I get the, I understand the mentality. The mentality was we changed the format and then the casual fan can come in and they understand like, okay, so the guy who wins the turn wins the FedEx Cup because whoever set that up or decided that, they themselves is too stupid to realize that we have enough technology that you can have a winner for both. Right. Somebody can win the tournament. Someone can, I mean, that shit is in real time. They literally, I mean, before they changed it, you knew. I mean, that year Tiger yeah, won it. I was just saying, I remember, and I don't know if it got too confusing. Maybe the players made complaints about it saying, you know, Tiger coming to the stretch, he didn't know what he had to do or did Rose know what yeah. he had to do. I I will say that I don't like that setup either. Where I, I think this tournament should have one winner. You win this tournament and you win the championship. You got to give the guy that's 30th as much <laughs> chance to win yes, as the guy that's first. Exactly. I just don't like the 10-stroke thing. And we, and we talked about it last week, right, any other sport. You don't come in and just because you were the Bruins watching hockey, we didn't give you don't give the Bruins an advantage in the playoffs just because they were the exactly. hockey. So I think once you get to the playoffs, points are null and void. Yes. Right. I like that. So I got a question for you guys. So the fifteenth hole at East Lake Sunday was playing what two thirty three into the wind over the water, yeah, over the water, basically into an island green. Eight iron, if you're about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Eight iron, one ninety, right? That's um, right for a golf cart. <laughs> what if you if you get ten shots? How many of those are you putting on the green at two thirty three? Ten shots. So I. That's a that's a just, beast of a hole. I mean seven. <laughs> I'd hope to say five. I I don't think he's exaggerating. Neither are you. I think. TV doesn't do that green size justice. That is, right, that's hard to tell on there. I think there's enough surface area over there that it doesn't give you justice. And from the angle they played it, I think that green is a little longer. Or if you played from the other side, it's, you know, 30 yards closer, but it's not as deep. You don't yeah. have as much. 233 of that back pin. What is it to the front? It's probably right. only like it's, 175. I think it was like 170 to carry on. So yeah. I wasn't thinking yeah. of it that way. I was thinking I was going to be hitting like three wood off the tee or something. No, no it's a 250 no, I, shot. I think you could hit like a five iron B. Dead center of the green. Probably. Yeah, it's. I, I think that green's bigger than you can tell on TV. It's not like. Then in that case, I, I move mine to seven with Russ. It's yeah. not. It's it's eight. not like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go eight and a half. Final. <laughs> I'd, I'd t- uh, seven. I don't think seven it's. It's not like you're trying to carry and land on a green a size of seventeen at Sawgrass. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lot bigger. I, mean, than I don't you put. Can tell I, I don't put my numbers high just because I don't hit my long irons as 
accurate. Well, I mean, you Russ hit, hits his long irons pretty well, so I don't. You also but. hit a Polish power cut that doesn't favor the water right of the green. <laughs> Correct. That's why. That's why you got started at like eighteen t. Yeah, <laughs> start where you want. Just hope it lands dry. <laughs> um. So I do have some stats because I was so frustrated with the outcome, and I, I was extremely curious. And last week I said my homework was I was going to tell you guys who won this tournament. Uh. There was a lot out there. You have it out there. I did your homework for you because it pissed me off. Dude, myself. I have a spreadsheet. I did a whole damn spreadsheet. What do you yeah. want to see? I mean, you could have just... A lot of people are tweeting about who won it, so it's not... <laughs> well, I wanted to know all this shit. I don't care about what people are tweeting. This is three-star recruits, so, not yeah, I don't, read Twitter. You're right. So this is... Uh, my spreadsheet has their four-round total, score to par, scoring average, where they started in FedEx Cup, where they ended, and the difference in change. The biggest change of the week, I would do didn't mention this guy's name. Mackenzie Hughes moved up 14 spots. That was the biggest move of the week. Up. Yeah. The biggest move down. DeChambeau. Bingo. Yeah. 14 spots down. No coincidence. It's not ironic that the rough was terrible this week. Mm-hmm. Getting out of that DeChambeau just completely shit the bed. Well, just it, it wasn't it wasn't only DeChambeau as we had a Right, but it clearly magnified a sh- a more than from, A shank from Rory. <laughs> yes. A top. I, but it clearly magnified bottom, more. Bottom line is yeah. Deschambeau moved yeah. down the Yeah, which we, which we knew, right? We've talked about that for the last two months. Is- uh, some other guys made big moves. Uh, obviously, Shoffley moved up 12 spots. So did Scotty Scheffler and Tyrell Hatton moved up 12 spots. Those four guys are the only ones who made double-digit moves up. Did you have that in your notes, too? Did you do all that or or just uh, had scores. No, I just had just scores. What they started at, what they okay actually shot. Gotcha. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Xander Shoffley, in my eyes, won the tournament. Yes, because he started three under, ended up shooting eighteen under, which puts him fifteen under of what he actually shot, which is the best score. And, and I'd be so, curious to your point. Obviously, Shoffley shot the best. Like, there's got to be a mindset, too, to that, right? Is DJ being as aggressive as, as he would have if they all start same, you know, start level? Whereas Shoffley and Thomas and Rahm and those guys got to start firing at pins because they got to make a move. So it, it's interesting. It'd be interesting. And I know they talked to DJ. I think I heard Sunday they before they asked him, you know, what what's your mindset going into today? Because what he had a four or five shot lead. Yeah. So. He said, I'm just going to play the front nine as I'm normally, and then as I head to the back, I'll check the scoreboard to see what it what it looks like to know if I need to, yeah. if I can sit back a little or do what I need to do. So I did my research from the eyes of the guy at number 30, and that's Billy Horschel. Because my prediction was you cannot win this tournament. Half the field or more cannot win this tournament. So here's here's what I came up with from my analysis. The scoring average for the week for the entire field, this is 120 rounds, was 68.9. The par is 70 in Eastlake, by the way. Shoffley had the lowest scoring average at 66.25, and in theory, for the week, shot the lowest round at 15 under. Mm-hmm. 13 of the 30 players had a scoring average lower than the entire scoring average for the entire field, which was 68. So it's more than half the field had a scoring average higher, which would kind of prove statistically you cannot make a run. There was only 10 scores of the 120 rounds of 65 or lower. And four of them were 64. 
65, and then only four scores were at 64. Nothing lower than that. The average change in rank, less than half a spot. And that is that number is skewed because we had a guy who went 14 spots, three guys go 12, one guy dropped 14 spots, which kind of balances up, but it also kind of skews the numbers. So less than half. As we mentioned, biggest move was Mackenzie Hughes. Biggest move down was DeChambeau from 8 to 22nd. Billy Horschel, the guy who was 30th coming into this week, I want your guys' opinion on this. Billy Horschel would have needed a scoring average of 64.75 to tie Dustin Johnson because he started 10 under. That's almost two shots lower, or no, it's almost four shots lower than the entire scoring average for the week, right? There was only five rounds total of 64. Yeah. It's just not – obviously, you can't we, – we see you can score on there, but not consistently over four rounds. So, like you said, mindset. If you're Billy Horschel, when you got to come in and make up 10 shots, and like he said, the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson, are you just showing up and going through the motions? Yeah, I mean, he's, and he's already got a FedEx Cup title, right? He's got money. He feels good. He's got one. He's got money in the bank. He's showing up. But I feel like those guys, those like four guys at the bottom, kind of taking Hughes out of it because he's the one that jumped. But I feel like they were there like, hey, I'm just going to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to make whatever. I don't know. Horschel made, what, 300000 or something? Yeah, it was right around there. Three, 400000 which is normally, what, second or third place in a normal tournament? Third, so, probably. But. Yeah, it's the same mindset as a person go to a major where there are big payouts. So let's say the U.S. Open coming up. Let's say the cut line is plus two. And there's, I don't know, five guys at minus eight come cut time. If you're that guy who's on the cut line going into Saturday at plus two, you're thinking, I have zero chance of winning this. I'm just going to show up, play two rounds of golf, and collect a paycheck. Yeah. That is probably the mindset that the bottom 10, at least guys in this tournament, had going into the Tour Championship. Which is a... Horribly stupid statement to make about the Tour Championship tournament. Especially with how well DJ was, is playing right now. And none of those guys got on tour with that mindset. Right. They all have, like, that tribe, that competitiveness, that willingness just to go out and put up a number and be gritty. But you can't even get into that mindset of, like, I want to do that because I got to make up 10 shots on Dustin Johnson. Like, what in the hell is like, – I just – no. And I, I haven't seen any – I haven't seen any guys speak out about it, about the whole score, right. starting scores or anything like players, that. Players, right? Right, yeah, okay. actual players. So I'd like to know if some of them have said anything about it, and I don't know if they want to and they feel like they can't. I don't know what the what L- their Look at other is. sports like, uh, like NASCAR. They have their points raced throughout the season. When they get to whatever their final race is, is it the Daytona where they finally do their cup? I think you're asking the wrong guy. You're the, one, the, wrong you're the one that throws woodchucks and crockpots, so you tell us. <laughs> I haven't it's done that not, one yet. It's definitely not Daytona because that's one of the first races. But you get yeah. where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Do any of those race car drivers show up knowing they have zero shot to win? Yeah, why would but you go I, out there? Yeah, why, why would they yeah. even hold the event if that was the case? If you right. know that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to win. I mean, I mean Billy Hors- Horschel's scoring average is over par this week, but at the same time, it's like, 
he probably literally just went out there and went through the motions and played, like you said, should have played four rounds of golf. So, so I always think about, and this is not even just tour championship related, has there ever been a tournament where everybody who either made the cut or when there isn't a cut finished under par? I was thinking about because obviously this is one week, like they start even par. I would say no. Yeah, that'd be every player finishing right, under par. That, yeah, that has made the cut. Probably Because there's been a no. couple times this year. Um, I, I don't remember what tournament it was. There was only like 10 guys that like finished under par or finished over par. So I was I was curious, like, has there ever been a tournament that? That'd be some serious digging. And I would say if it happened to be one of those tournaments where you got 20 guys that shot 20 so, under. So I was going to say one, one term I think of and they have every year is the, the Century Tournament of Champions. In Hawaii? Yeah. I think people shoot over par there. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, that, a lot of them have just was... taken six to eight weeks off, and then they come to yeah. Hawaii with their family. Which is another thing, obviously, when we've talked about stuff, what you get with the Tour Championship. This year they made a change. Everyone who made the Tour Championship gets to go play in the Tour Champion, the Century Tour Champions yep. this year because there were less events. So It's funny that you say about has there ever been a tournament where everybody's gotten under par because I always – when I look at the leaderboard, I always scroll to the bottom just to see, like, would I have beaten anybody on the leaderboard? There's always someone at plus. Someone always shoots 80-something one of the days. Yeah, even, if, even if it's a top 10 player, it just it's golf. They're yeah. going through the motions. They made the cut. They're just... You, yeah, that's one way to look at it. I yeah. Mean, yeah, and those guys, what, that last place usually gets 15 grand, 20 grand, whatever yeah. it is. So we've all, We all remember a couple years ago when Tiger Woods in the majors shooting 82 or 83 during his comeback. I mean... Doesn't matter where you're at, you, you've always got an 80 in you somewhere. Yeah, no, I agree. I just, I think we can all agree that we need some sort of change in a tour championship. Mm. Yeah, it's not. I feel bad for half those guys. I feel bad for Billy Horschel, the guy who finished. Billy Horschel being the example, uh, the guy who's 30th has every right and has earned that right to be there to play for that 15 million dollars. And like you said, they should be starting over, and those guys should be going out. You, if you're really that worried about, like, oh, I need to know who, who wins this tournament, is a guy who wins the FedEx Cup, okay, 30 guys can play for it. Yeah. Or take one more week, 16 guys, and let's match play it. I'd love to see that. I would love to see that. Think about if they did that. They just took the top 32 after that second event and just said, all right, we're going match play. Yeah, even after From two that, events right. instead of going 30 with 32. But even 16, <laughs> you can get some – I think you'd get a lot of – TV attention because people it'd be easy to follow for people. Right, you only, you only have eight matches the first day. You know, you know what I mean. Like, I think it'd be really easy for people to follow. And I and I think those guys enjoy. They like the Dell Technology match play, the Ryder Cup, the presence. They like that match play. Yeah, you know, they only get it a few times a year, so it's enjoyable to watch. Right. Too. Yeah, that's I, I, in my opinion, it's easier for the casual person to watch. Yeah, I just my my thing is we change this. They change this format. So that the casual fan can understand what's going on. I feel like the casual fan is just as confused if I tell that person, yeah, Dustin Johnson just won the tournament, but he didn't shoot the lowest round this weekend for four days. Right. And, and I don't, yeah, we mentioned already, it doesn't make it easier because obviously every time they show a player, they show where he is in the standing. So, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I would like to see some change. I do have a question for all of you, golf related. Not tour championship related. This has been a topic that has been brought up because we've had such a screwy golf season and screwy sports season in general. We are going to see what would have been this year's Masters 
technically after the season is over because the season was over last week. The example here is Daniel Berger is not exempt into the Masters that would have been this year. Do you guys think that Augusta and the Masters should make an exception for guys like Daniel Berger who might not have been in the Masters this year, but because the Masters is happening in November, Daniel Berger and maybe a couple other guys should have special invitations to play in the Masters. Yes, and it's just like the PGA Championship. If you couldn't squeeze everybody into the field like you normally would, you need to switch things around for next year. In the PGA Championship, you know that we have local guys that should have had the opportunity to qualify and didn't get a chance to qualify. They canceled their tournament. now next year they're not just in, which doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you're in control of the field. You're already giving out exemptions, sponsor exemptions, medical exemptions, etc. Go down the list. 70% of the field actually qualifies. The other 30% are exemptions. You've got space to work with. Let those people in next year. Yeah, it's good for golf. But is Augusta taking – are they they're ta- are they taking the stand or the people that should have been in as of April? That's all they're taking? So Augusta didn't say no. They didn't say yes. Because so, okay. Daniel Berger has been brought to their attention and it's kind of been, it's kind of been in the news because he was a guy that had a better than normal year this year and he's done enough that he can't play this year. But come April, he can play in that Masters. He's exempt for that. Right. I So, I guess I would be under – there's special invitations to Augusta so they don't make exceptions. It is what it is, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but you're also Augusta. In a, on a, on right. A, you can, so you you can do whatever the hell you want for your tournament. Right, but you have, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's usually around 85, 80, 90 guys that make the ma- get invited to the Masters. I believe it was actually really light last year. It, w- it was one less. of the lightest I've ever seen it. Meaning there's plenty of space to add more guys. Yeah, in. I think last year was only, it was only like 75 guys. Or something. In my opinion, low, I get it's Augusta. They're going to do whatever they want. They got the money. It's their tournament. They got their nose in the air. <laughs> Love the Masters. But in my opinion, Augusta's never going to have a field that is 125 guys. Because, you know, people qualified or the combination of things and, and special invites. Right. What are your thoughts? So, just to make sure I understand. If the 2020 Masters had been in April, would Daniel Berger have been in them? No. But he is exempt into the 2021 Masters. Correct. Then. So, my. my then, no. So, my question is, because the 2020 Masters is now in November, do you feel guys who have played well in the restart should get into the twenty the Masters in November? Um, I wouldn't have a problem with them giving some special invitations, but where do you draw that line between this guy's played well and this guy hasn't quite played well enough right. in a subjective thing? Berger specifically, if he's eligible for next year's Masters but wouldn't have been for the April 2020 Masters, then no. no. Don't and think about it, even this year, really they only missed out, for the most part, on one tournament before the Masters, right? The players got canceled. Most guys don't play a really good point. between the players and Augusta. No, that's a good you point. You know, there's like two guys that win those tournaments before that get an invite. No, that's a great point. But, you know, they don't get to... So I, I would still say no, no special. One last thing. that I know I was on the yes, he should be inside, but it is in Augusta, Georgia in November. 
the sun's already going down at 7.30. It's going to be going down at, what, 6 o'clock by then? They've adjusted can their you times. Really, I know, but they're doing 10 or 11-minute tee times, I assume. That's uh, a slower yeah. side. You can only squeeze so much onto the golf course. Do you really have space to start adding people well, in I mean, at that time of year? It's pretty, it's pretty close to the same in April, right, time frame. You get maybe I mean, an extra I half guess. hour, 45 minutes maybe. And it uh, still can sometimes come down to the wire at the end. I would think there's more daylight in April than November. I, I would say, yeah, that's just logistics, dark. but you get where I'm going yeah. with that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here in November, it's dark by 530. It yeah. is it is different in Georgia than here. But they are they are adjusting times so because the, it is football season. And, yeah, the leaders are going off before noon on Sunday, yeah. they said. Nice. So coverage will stop before football starts on Sunday afternoon, right? I think like, it's a night or whatever yeah. it is. My take on it is... I don't – you guys all make great points. I mean, your point of, like, the daylight, your point of, like, there was only a one or two tournaments left, uh, your point of, no, there there shouldn't be because he wasn't already. My only yes to this is last year's field, I felt, was really light. I felt like there was – it was extremely light, and it's like – and we have that because we've had repeat winners who are exempt to then field, fill the field. I feel like, in general – no, don't invite Daniel Berger, the guys we feel, be, you know, for other for other reasons. But maybe we should, as Augusta, reevaluate how we get exempt into the Masters yep. and get a bigger field than 72 guys or whatever yeah. it was. That Can you look okay up how many with. there was last year? Yeah, I mean, if they wanted to expand the field, generally speaking, not just this year, and said, hey, we're going to start adding X, Y, and Z exemptions yes. to make the field bigger, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Right, and that's one of the things with the Masters. They don't do split tees. No. Uh, you know, everyone goes tradition. off one. and There were 87 people last okay. year. That's not a lot. It's really not. No, not for a normal field, but I think it's probably just a little light for a normal Masters field. But we have guys, and I get that's part of winning, that you're forever exempt if you're a Masters champion, which I'm fine with. I don't know if Gusta has a max or if they say, oh, these guys are in plus whoever's already exempt. But if we have guys who are Masters champions already exempt, that's those are spots that are they're taken up. Let's say that guy goes out and still, you know, it's not not a Lee Trevino who's been there for years. That guy goes out and wins a tournament. They're like, oh, yeah, it comes with a Masters exemption with this. Let's say, okay, well, that guy's already been in because he's exempt for past champions. So the guy who finished second is now winning. Or something like that. The highest finishing guy that's not already exempt is into the Masters. Right. I'd like to see more guys. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. And, yeah, and obviously they don't care about who's in my field. It's, it's a it's prestigious like, it's, thing. Yeah, it's the Masters, so we don't care. I wouldn't mind seeing, given the history of the Masters and Bobby Jones and the whole amateur thing, I wouldn't mind seeing them expand the number of amateur players that are in it. The guys that just finished the... The USAM, you know, expand the number of those guys that get into it. Yeah, because they only take two from the USAM, right? Right, but I think, there's like, up. I think there's like five or six total because they take like the South American low-am, the so, Asian low-am, things like that. Right. So, But I guess given the history of Bobby amateur, Jones amateur status in Augusta, why not take the top ten from the USAM? Right? Run a or tournament. something like that. Run a promotional tournament. You, you, it's going to draw guys from all over the country. you got to just like a U.S. Open qualifier. Qualify for it. You go to a event someplace else and you play, and yep. they take four or five guys. Right, yep. that'd be great. That'd be great for the sport of golf. 
Yeah. These are all great ideas. I think Augusta and Tour should listen to us. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> so I had something fun happen the other day. I was talking with my brother about this, and he was saying, you know, what do you talk about? I said, well, it's a sports podcast. And him being a kind of a goofball, he says, well, you guys talk about what, Korean baseball? So I spent about five minutes schooling him on Korean baseball. So <laughs> great. You should have seen his jaw drop when I was explaining the playoff format to him all of a sudden. <laughs> like, who is this guy? That's great. Like oh, it. Danny Ames had a hole in one today. Congrats, Danny. Ooh, wow. Ooh. Yep. Number 15 at Corning. Huh? I got a text today. It said hole in one. I had the red light that like flashes. Sweet. Yep. So Danny had a hole in one. Nice. Congrats, Danny. Oh, yeah, it's his Danny. first one. Because he almost had one at Twain a couple weeks ago, and I mean that was close. That was some of the closest I've ever seen a not going in. And he's like, "Yeah, that would have been my first. Then he texted me today; he had one according. So, sweet, congrats, buddy! I ran up your tab. <laughs> um, I do want to. No, I'm not. I don't want to point that out. I'll point that out later. But let's move on. What do you guys want to talk about? What about these uh, Popeyes hockey puck biscuits we've got? Sitting oh, in the don't what the hell about is going those. on with those? He well, bought those at like noon today. Yeah, yeah, I know they're probably hockey. Pucks well, we by didn't now. get we didn't get biscuits on Friday when we stopped because I forgot our order. Because apparently, four meals and four biscuits is hard to get. But. Now we're just gonna sit here like Pavlov's dogs, just drooling, looking at them <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing how how strong you are. Not strong enough. <laughs> uh, so let's go down the uh, uh, UFC rabbit hole real quick. Yeah. We meant to talk about this last week, and then when we went golfing Friday, we were like, hey, guys, we didn't talk about yep. this. We have discussed John Jones moving to heavyweight. We've discussed the possibilities of John possibly fighting anybody other than a title fight. Mm-hmm. Then it was announced that Brock Lesnar is a quote-unquote free agent, which we've <laughs> seen before. So then the rumor mill starts spinning that he's going to come to the UFC and – John and Brock should fight. Yep. So John went on a Twitter rant like a week, week and a half ago. And he ended it by saying, oh, and Brock, I'll beat your ass too. Which I think is what sparked us. Beat your, B-E-A-C-H-O. One word. Beat your ass. Um, <laughs> are you watching the Braves? Uh, Freddie Freeman got his 1,500 hit tonight. We're trying to do the podcast. Yeah. And it didn't come back. In, it wasn't in the stadium. Fifteen hundred hits, a number nobody cares about. <laughs> Let me know when he gets to three thousand. Part of eleven run inning. They're gonna right, <laughs> stand UFC. Um. So when we talked about John Jones at heavyweight a few weeks ago, I had said that I could picture him taking a big money, non-title fight to kind of tune up at that weight class which I think you disagreed with. You a little th- bit, yeah. You thought he would go right to a title fight. Yep. This, to me, is a prime example of what I was getting at. Because I think I think the next title fight is Stipe against Francis Ngannou. Yeah. Think, In my yeah. opinion, that will be the next title yes, fight. It's probably going to happen that big week late December. Yeah, somewhere right in there, yeah. That's me guessing. But I think... Does John deserve an immediate title shot? I would say yes, based on his history, as probably the greatest mixed martial artist ever. I think it's probably in his best interest to take a tune-up fight, and I think Brock Lesnar is the perfect opponent. 
because, in my opinion, Brock Lesnar has a 0% chance of beating him. So you combine the fact that I, I think John Jones will absolutely win that fight. Yep. It gets John's toes in the water in the weight class, gets him used to having a much heavier person across him in the octagon, mm-hmm. especially somebody like Lesnar, who is up at the limit. Yeah, he, he's, I think he does cut he's weight. He's probably got to cut weight to get to 265. Yep. And I believe if you throw that as a main event on pay-per-view, that's going to be one of their biggest draws they've had in years. So you could probably guarantee, if you're Dana White, you could probably guarantee both of these guys at least $5 million plus some pay-per-view money. So it's a tune-up fight that I think he will absolutely win and probably put five mil, five to ten mil in his pocket. And I think that's a prime example of the non-title fight to get him ready that I was envisioning. I agree with you 1,000%. When you talk, when you, make, when, you, when you put it in that context of a fight for him to take as a, you know, a tune-up fight heavyweight, the Brock Lesnar fight makes sense because Brock Lesnar has zero chance of winning that fight. Yes. Zero. Brock Lesnar is not a good fighter. No. You look up his record, please. Yeah, I've got you, him pulled up already. You knew where I was going with this. Brock Lesnar is not a good fighter. Yeah. He's a terrible martial artist. John would John would beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't even be close. He's, yeah. This can't be right. It says he's five and three and one. That is absolutely correct. He's only fought nine times? Yes. Mm-hmm. He's well, a- that kind of puts me to where I was going to go when you looked my direction. This seems – I know that he's a – that Lesnar is considered one of the UFC greats, or you can call him that or not. This almost a draw. Seems, thank you. This almost seems to be like a – like it should be in <laughs> Pride or some other sanctioned event, not UFC on a big title card. I understand it's a tune-up fight, and I, I said before that we're going to see a John Jones that we've never saw before, I thought. But I think that this is going to be a run-of-the-mill John Jones fight, and he's just going to beat up on an old man. Brock Lesnar's 43 years 43. old. It wouldn't even be – so he basically Brock brings in a, a fan base from WWE. That's what it is. He's a draw. He's a well-known name. So that's why. Yeah. If some guy came in at heavyweight UFC when Brock Lesnar did and put up those same numbers, they would have been cut by the UFC. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't I agree. sustain that. I totally agree. I see the dollar signs for the UFC, but oh, I think all that the, serious, yeah. the serious fans I don't think are going to enjoy it that much. The serious fans absolutely know what's going on with this. Yeah. The casual fans are like, oh, yeah, Brock can win this fight. Brock has zero I'm, chance of winning that fight. Zero. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it because I am a John Jones fan, and I everything I just explained, that I believe it's a chance for him to – Get used to the heavyweight division. I, maybe I wrote this down wrong. I had a, so he had one fight in a uh, different promotion before the UFC. If you have his record right there, I have him at four, four, and one <laughs> in the UFC. It's terrible. One no contest because he failed the drug test. Sorry, I'm just. Uh, you, I'm in the criminal information part of his Wikipedia right <laughs> now. So, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Either way, his last three fights, he's 0-2 with one no contest. And the, he has not fought in the UFC since July of 2016. This is a man that stands no chance against John Jones. Zero chance. It, it might be exciting to see them on the ground. 
I, I don't see it being a big striking match like I would expect it to be. You've got John Jones, one of the best, re- in my opinion, one of the top yeah. five best wrestlers ever. And then you've got Brock Lesnar, who's going so, to be larger than him. Who is Brock a, has a history of wrestling. So he's uh, 2000. He won the NCAA yes. Division One champion. If, if there is any small chance that Brock Lesnar has, it's on the ground wrestling. 100%. Brock Lesnar has to be on top because he's also going to be, you know, you got weight cuts and then guys inflate, but he's going to be at least 50 pounds heavier than anyone John Jones has ever fought. So if you do have a guy who's 50 pounds heavier than what you're used to, who has uh, wrestling titles, legitimate wrestling titles, not WWE. but And for once, we're going to see a fight where John's 81-inch reach isn't as much of an advantage now that he's in the upper weight class. He's got guys that are actually going to be able to match up with when he squares up. He's not going to be able to stay as far away like he would before. I think he's still going to have four or not, five inches. Not quite guys. as far, but John John's reach is by far the yeah the biggest in uh, the history of the UFC. If Brock were to get him on the ground, there's two. Yeah, that so yeah, the small chance of him winning is getting John on the ground. Mm-hmm. The big issue there is getting close enough to John to take him down. Yeah, and the second is. Okay, you're a uh, wrestler. You've got John on the ground. You better do something before he chokes you out or breaks your arm because yeah. yes, yeah. Brock has no chance of winning that fight. No. It's a money grab for John for the UFC. Yep. I mean, whatever. Now, now, if you're, you know, to look at it the other way, if you're Brock Lesnar, if you're a fan of his, then, I mean, if he thinks he can get in and out of that fight without getting seriously hurt and make five to ten million dollars, then what the hell? I'm excited Why to see the pay it? lines on that because it might be worth putting a couple bucks on Lesnar just on the off chance that he catches a lucky one. It, it would, it would be won't worth... shape it up that way, though. They'll make it look – it'll yeah. be plus 150, minus 150. Yeah. It won't be I mean, multiple hundreds like you'd expect it to be. I w- yeah, I wouldn't bet your paycheck on it, but if you're at a casino and you want to throw 10, 20 bucks on it, then sure, you're right. The odds will probably be very against him. So, why? yeah. So, here's my theory. This fight never happens. And here's why. Lesnar has burned the UFC in the past. I'm not sure Dana White's a big fan of Lesnar. Um, Chael Sonnen kind of went in depth on this earlier this week. But here's my thought process on why this never happens. I still think, but to your point, if John were to take a fight, it would be for money. It would be someone like Lesnar who mm-hmm. is a real fan knows that's an easy fight for him. Yep. John, at that point, I still think is going to come in and just he's going to get a title shot. The only way Brock Lesnar can fight in UFC is he has to spend six months in USADA testing program. No one's confirmed he's in that program mm-hmm. to either A, be in that program, and has he already passed the test and he's clean for six months. Right. Um, that has to happen first. Six months from now, we could be announced that John's fighting for the title. Yep. I... I don't know any of this for fact, but I thought Brock re-entered the testing pool like a year, year and a half ago. I have no so idea. Whether or not he's been tested and tested clean, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure there was rumors that he did re-enter like a year ago. So, so if he's in it. So if that's the case, then that makes this a little more I don't realistic. even know if you can look that up, but when I listened to Chael Sonnen the other day, he had mentioned that you got to be in that testing pool for six months and Brock hasn't accomplished that. So I don't know. I don't even know if you can look that up and you saw the site and see who's in the testing pool. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I take a lot of what Chael Sonnen says with a yeah. grain of salt, too. The but only I thing, think, the only grain I'm giving him is he's 
it kind of runs in that circle of yeah, yeah. ESPN with Ariel and all those guys. So now I think this fight makes to to go on the other side. If uh, John Jones were to fight Ngannou, Derek Lewis, Rosenstrike, you could even throw Overeem in there as kind of the top contenders at the moment. Fighting any of those guys right now, non-title fight doesn't make sense. No, the no. risk of losing there is real. Yes, and. Yeah, it doesn't make as much sense for Jones. Yeah, it hinders his. Unless you were, I mean, I think at this point, Jones just cares about his legacy and wants that belt. Yeah. But, you know, unless you guaranteed you were going to make $15 million against one of those guys, then I don't think that fight makes sense. Yeah. When, yeah. You, you, you just you just hit the nail on the head. The risk of, of losing that fight is real, which is why I don't think he would take any of those fights non-title. Yeah. Brock Lesnar, yeah, he'd go out and smoke that guy. I don't even know if he'd do a training camp. He'd probably get off the couch and just go beat his ass. Because he doesn't have to cut weight. He'd show up at 235 yep. and bust him up. Yep. That's Agreed. just my opinion. Do, it, do you know? Can you look in USADA? It's, it's all from like 2019. Yeah, I don't know if you can even look into the poll there. But, yeah, that's, I don't know. It is what it is. All right, what's next? Um, Let's talk hockey. Okay. I uh, I enjoy hockey. <laughs> so he, I've been like hockey. I've been texting you the last couple nights. I've been sucked into this whole like hockey. You, you were here the night and watched a game. Yep. We watched game one of the Vegas Dallas uh, series. So before we get into the, like the hockey, I have a question for you two hockey fans. Okay. Something I've noticed. We talked about uh Mark Andre Fleury a couple weeks ago and his whole photo is agent. And he's actually been getting some playing time. He's been starting. And then Robin, is it Robin Leonard? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so he's been also starting as well. And then I've noticed last night that game one, I believe Flurry was in that. Yes. Game two, Leonard was in that. Yes. So here's my question to the two of you. Has, has Vegas turned their goalie situation into the NFL two-back situation? And is it an advantage for someone like Vegas right now who has theoretically and realistically they have two starting goalies on their team. And now you have you can alternate those guys whether it be every night, every two nights, since the games are in the same location, they're having quick turnarounds. Is Vegas at an advantage because they can throw a guy in the net and rest the guy the next night and put another starting goalie back in the net? Is that I mean, is that what we're seeing? I just dominated UFC talk, so do you want to take over yeah. first? So I would say this year, no, because I had, what, four months off. Those guys are well-rested, and they're playing every other day. So I don't think having two goalies is better. Most of the time, you see a team that wins the Stanley Cup has one goalie. That just yeah, they, plays you well. know, they, They're not alternating out all the time and switching goalies. But so I, I mean, feel like that throws a back. It it almost throws a bad to me. It throws a bad taste potentially in that team's like, you know, we're wishy washy on goalie. We don't know what, what we want back there, and I and I feel and Russ would know this better, but I would say when you have a goalie back there, the defensemen have a better sense of you know what's behind them, how that goalie plays. If you're playing a different way, depending on which goalie you have in there, could potentially throw your game off. And like I said, Russ might be able to talk more about that, but like, I, I assume there's a big chemistry between defenseman and goalie. 
just know, knowing, you know, if this goalie like, hey, let that guy shoot from wherever, just take, don't let him make a move. Or another guy said, you know, try to take him out. If he makes a move on you, that's fine. Right. So I think there's a mindset and a chemistry between the defenseman and the goalie. So do your, uh, to your, they've had the four months off talk. Was it four months or whatever? Whatever it oh, was. Yeah, whatever. You don't think that's out the window at this point because the, to me, the four months was everybody's healthy. We're not dealing, we shouldn't be dealing, we shouldn't be dealing with injuries potentially. But at this rate, the rate they've been playing, I mean, it's kind of, is that out the window that they've had those months off? Yeah. And they, they've, yeah. been, they've been playing every other night at this point. So, yeah, but that's a, a normal occurrence for them for it is. eight months. But so. it, we're what? Two months back into their season restart. Yeah, but a lot of these guys are starting. I don't know what the average probably is. Sixty games a year. The number one goalies are probably starting. You know, yeah. three quarters of the season, anyways. So usually you see a a back to back night. Obviously they'll have a day off, or if a if you know if a backup goalie wins that back to back, and then all right, throw them out there the next game just to let them play again, because you never know. Regular season, you never know if your starting goalie goes down. You don't, you want to make sure your backup's not. You know he hasn't played in right a month and a half. So let me ask you this then, before I get into your answer. Let's say this is a normal season. I mean they were close. Let's say this is a new season. Vegas goes in. They got these two goalies. Is Vegas at an advantage the entire season because they literally have two? In my opinion, from what little I've seen, got two starting goalies. They play a back to back. They can say, you know what. I'm not going to throw Leonard out there on one day's rest. I'm going to rest him. We can throw Flurry out there, and then or vice versa. And now you've got you've got a fresh goalie out there who's not dealing with any aches, pains, tiredness. He's not mentally drained. You got a guy who's fresh. You're throwing him out there. That, you know, I, I can throw him in real quick. So I would say still it's not an advantage because a guy like Flurry has been used to however long he's been in the league, 10, 12 years, to being that number one goalie and playing all the time. It probably does not help him to play once every five days or, you know, once every six days. Once once a week or maybe twice a week is probably not helping him. Prolong his career. Right, but he would probably rather play, let me play three times during the week, not just once. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying there. A guy that's used to being a starter doesn't necessarily adjust to a backup role well. Right. The thing with the playoffs, the one thing, there's some, this game is very physical. Yeah, there's been like four fights. Um, one difference between typical playoffs versus what we're seeing this year in the bubble is typically you do not play back-to-back nights. We have seen a number of, uh, there have been some scenarios political type stuff where they took a couple days off and they had to jam pack the schedule. Yeah. And during that first qualifying round schedule was a little different. So we've seen a number of teams that have had to play back to back nights in this bubble scenario. That is not typical for playoffs. Usually. Um, to kind of answer your other question, draw these two things together during the regular season. Normally goalies don't play on back to back nights. It's rare. It's not, unheard of but most teams probably play uh, 15 sets of back-to-back nights throughout the regular season so therefore you would expect your backup goalie to get like 15 starts because of that plus some others trickled throughout so let's say your backup goalie plays 20 games a season 
a lot of teams would never say this, but they don't have as much faith in their backup goalie. So of those 20 games, you're probably hoping to win half of them. So therefore, you're almost chalking up 10 losses. Um, so to be able to have two number ones, a 1A and 1B, is definitely an advantage for those 20 games. And in the playoffs, it's it's very rare for a team to win the Stanley Cup or go on a deep run using two goaltenders. Usually they have one goaltender and they ride the hell out of them in the playoffs. Right. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are no back-to-back nights and in the playoffs. Last year, the prime example of Bennington was St. Louis. He got fucking mm-hmm. hot in the playoffs, and they rode him all yes. the way through. As far as Vegas goes, this whole scenario we talked about with the agent tweeting out that photo yeah. has thrown a wrinkle into their season, whether they want to admit it or not. To me, Robin Leonard is the clear number one in Vegas. Fleury's gone downhill a little bit. He's still a serviceable goaltender. He's still good. He's he's better than 90% of the backups in the league. Right. Robin Leonard, last night, I believe, got his fourth shutout of the, of the playoffs. No other goalie in the playoffs has two or has three. So he's got twice as many as anybody else. Fleury started game one of the West, and I don't know why, because it wasn't a right. back-to-back night. And Leonard, I believe, is coming off a shutout in game seven. Yes of the Vancouver series. So I don't know why you wouldn't roll with him in game one. So Fleury played game one. They got their asses kicked. Leonard played game two last night and got another shutout. I don't know why they're playing Fleury at this point. Yeah, there's not. If, I, I don't even know if I'm answering your question. If I'm the Vegas head coach, Robin Leonard is my starting goal, and he's not coming out unless he gets hurt. Yeah, and every time they ask DeBoer about it, he's like, wishy washy. He's like, oh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I've seen interviews he doesn't from players. Wanna, yeah, that he doesn't want to. Oh, we got faith in both of our yeah. goalies. So. Well, yeah, right. That's what you're. What are they yeah, going to say? That's what you're yeah. supposed to say, right? Yeah. As a player, I, I think the coach is not answering. DeBoer is not answering that question directly, and Flurry is getting a couple starts because of the situation the agent created. Correct. If that if that situation had never occurred, Robin Leonard would be starting every game for Vegas. Right, and it's it's hard on Vegas as part here because I don't know what Flurry's making. Probably six or seven million a year. Uh, I think it's yeah, six, so, and six and a half. I think. So he's getting that money, and that's five times as high as a normal backup would get. You know, right. a normal backup's probably getting one to two million, maybe, maybe three million. So, yeah, you're, when you're paying a guy, and not that in the playoffs, it shouldn't it shouldn't matter how much you're paying a guy if he's not playing well, and you're riding another guy, you play the other guy, right? So. Yep. All right. Anyway, let's move on to other talk. For the NHL, of course. Yeah, so we're watching game two right now between Tampa and the New York Islanders. The Islanders are a team that would love to have either Robin Leonard or <laughs> Fleury at the moment because they got their shit kicked in. That was a absolute – I thought I was watching someone play NHL 20 <laughs> on their Xbox the other night. That game from Tampa Bay's standpoint was nearly perfectly played. That was nearly a perfect hockey game. Yeah, And I, I read – I don't know what the time was, so 60 minutes in a hockey game. It wasn't until like 58 and a half minutes, so only like a minute and a half left, that Tampa took a shot and missed the net. Yeah, they had. I think they had one missed shot the entire night. They so missed the net. When you see the shot total for a game, you know, if a team has 30 shots, they might have had 100 shot attempts. But we're not so goal. You, right, so 30 of them went on goal. Maybe three or four of them scored. 
couple hit the post because those actually don't count as shots. And then you probably had 40 shots blocked and another 30 where you completely missed the net. And Tampa didn't miss the net until there was a minute and a half left in that game. Yeah, and I, I didn't know. Crazy. I saw that. And I didn't know if that counted block shots or not. I didn't know if that was figured into that equation. So I, I found that I hard could, to believe. That that. Couldn't, yeah, they would have had to have had shots yeah, blocked. So, but even still, right, like Russ said, it's, yeah, if you take 35 shots in a game, you've probably missed a net 35 times. Are you telling me the Islanders have zero chance of winning the series? In they my should. opinion, yes. I mean, it's one one after I mean, two, the, but this, so this they can tie the series right now. Up, but. but yeah, I mean, I, I watched some of Game One. I'm like, and when I when I say some, I saw the beginning and saw the score and switched the channel. <laughs> wasn't even close. That's a. I think Russ was playing PJ Tour, and I texted him. I was like, oh, two one, three one, and then I just stopped texting. I was like, this isn't worth it anymore. It wasn't even it's not. Close. <laughs> yeah. But. So in general, on hockey, yeah, we're down to the conference finals. Both series, we weren't sure about this last week. Both series are now in Edmonton. So Tampa and New York have traveled to Edmonton. So the Toronto bubble is open Done. or closed. I don't know. Popped. <laughs> uh, Vegas, Dallas is 1-1. They've already played two games. This is game two. Tampa's up one nothing. Vegas looked good last night. Vegas Vegas looked I don't, they, they looked out of sorts in game one for some reason, and they looked – you As thought, they should. You were the thought they night. were the team that traveled from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they looked very good last night. I had Robin Leonard written down as a side note. We kind of just talked about that. He looked outstanding. Fourth shot out of the playoffs. Um, Philly, Philly is no longer playing. Give a little update. I had Oscar Kluffbaum as my number one star last week because he was recovering from the yep. uh, bone cancer. Yep, he did end up playing in game six and seven. So we got to play in two games. And I tell you, they did not ease him in either. He averaged, no. <laughs> he averaged 17 minutes a game, which is a pretty good total. For That's that, a good chunk of for a, for a forward. Yeah, Most of your top-line forwards will average 18 to 21 minutes a game. So he was not far behind. They Usually in a scenario like – I guess you can't do it in the playoffs. But right. in a scenario like this during a regular season, if somebody was coming back, you'd put them on the fourth line, let them get a couple shifts, maybe play five minutes in the game and kind of ease back into it. They didn't do that. They, they go play hockey, Oscar. <laughs> Welcome back. And uh, to their credit, so they were playing the Islanders yeah. in game six. At one point, he went out for a face-off. The Islanders backed off and kind of stick-tap. It's a hockey right. way of, you know, clapping. Even the Islanders kind of took a moment to initiate kind of welcoming, welcoming him back. That's sweet. Ice. So that was a pretty cool moment. That's kind of the state of hockey at the moment. Um. I'm predicting a Dallas-Tampa final. I think Dallas would somehow pull that out against Vegas. It's Vegas? I think Dallas has a better chance of winning than the Islanders do. Correct. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think Tampa's a – even if this game, they somehow pull this out on. From what little I know, I would agree with that. But I think if Vegas plays as well as they did last night, Dallas has no chance. Yes. I think Vegas takes it the whole way. I think if we – if we don't simple we, as that. <laughs> yeah. If Robin Leonard it's it's ironic that we're talking about why they're splitting starts of Flurry because they shouldn't be. If Robin Leonard plays every game, I think Vegas I, I would agree with you. I could see Vegas winning it. I would I would go Tampa Vegas. It'd be Vegas Vegas Tampa would be a fun series. Yes, High offensive power. Yes. It would be teams. it would definitely be more entertaining to the casual fan like you who's trying to get into it. Yep. The Islanders against Dallas would be a snooze fest. Right. 
anything with the Islanders is usually, <laughs> unless they're getting their shit kicked in like they did Monday night. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not an exciting team to watch. It was eight to two on Monday, and it was. I had a blast watching it. Yeah, you guys, ready for this? Sure. I'm going to steal your LeBron Thunder. Oh. So last night, I watched the hockey game. I was still up. And I just was scrolling through Twitter and realized there was still an NBA game on. I'm like, I really haven't watched any of the playoffs. Let's watch the playoffs. So it turned into the second half. Before the game started, the highlight of the NBA playoffs, in my opinion already, is Charles Barkley. This guy is a stone-cold savage. I love Charles Barkley. He was talking about JaVal McGee. Jamal, JaVal. JaVal McGee. JaVal, yeah, that guy. So uh, he's talking about McGee. Well, he tempted his first name. He said, if I was the Lakers, I wouldn't even put his ass on the floor. He can't guard you, buddy. <laughs> He's seven foot tall, guarding a six two guard, and they don't even give him the ball. He had like no rebounds, no assists, no points in the first half. He's like, I won't even play him. Yeah. Well, like, you can't against Houston. You can't play a big man. You could put you could if you could if he was good enough to give him the ball, you could put his ass right. in a post to give him the I ball. Think, I think game one, I think seven foot tall. I think yeah. Dwight Howard didn't play game one and McGee <clears throat> played like seven minutes or something. It was They started but, McGee last night, apparently. Yeah. So anyway, I watched the game and I was quickly reminded just watching the third quarter of why I just don't have a ton of interest in NBA basketball. And growing up, you just we all I think we all played sports and we just the the old cliche, you play to the whistle. Am I correct? Whether it be hockey, basketball, uh-huh. anything, it requires that. <laughs> You're cheesing over there. I think you got something brewing. From the man himself, that Javal McGee, Javel McGee? Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he said it, not me. <laughs> so, I was watching last night. And I think it was like when, literally within the first couple of minutes of me watching the game. LeBron goes up for a layup. It doesn't go his way. He feels like he gets fouled. Instantly goes into, like, I'm going to cry like a bitch mm-hmm. mode. Throws his hands up. He's yelling at the ref. And I'm not kidding you. Within two feet or a foot of him, there's two guys battling for the rebound. He could have reached out and grabbed it. Yep. He, he just completely quit on the play, quit on the rebound. And then every time this guy went down the floor, the only thing he saw was his hands in the air, like someone just accused him of taking cookies off the counter and him bitching at the ref. Are you there to play basketball or not? And then I wake up this morning, and ESPN is dick-riding this guy about how great. What was better is offense or defense last night. I got news for ESPN. The Lakers pulled away from that game and won it with LeBron sitting on the bench, and Rondo came in and got hot. You might have missed that part, ESPN, because promoting Rajon Rondo does not help your numbers and ratings. Talking about LeBron might. LeBron did not win them that game when it mattered last night at the end of the third quarter. That is coming from a basketball person. Been there, done that. So, yes. LeBron, stop bitching. I'm, I, dude, it was awful. And it wasn't just him. Every no, guy. Every it's, guy. It's like, but he's terrible. He, like, throws a fit. And at, at one point, I caught a hot mic of the other coach and said, you can't change. He looked at the ref and goes, you can't change a call just because he bitches every time. No, that wasn't that wasn't the coach. That dude, was I the, caught a hot mic of a oh, coach saying so the, the, the announcer said it. He did because the, I heard the coach oh, say it. All right, coach came on the court and said, "You can't change a call just because he bitches every time. Every right. time he goes up, so I know doesn't I know make the the, one, the first call you talked about. He, well, I'm not taking his side, but he definitely got fouled on it. But 
Either way, but yeah, he just stops playing. You yeah. can't go but to ev- that but every ev- time. But everybody does it, right? Yes. So it's it's just the NBA. But he, not, he's to the point where he's like, he's I'm LeBron, rule. you should be calling that. You can't yeah. quit on the play because the ball isn't going to hoop and just expect yeah. to call because right. you missed the shot. He you can't is, play basketball. There are, it's like, yeah, half the league does that. But he is definitely the poster boy for it. Yeah. He's definitely a great way to put it. And you think, and anyway, I think we've talked about this before, is obviously he's so big. Like, guys literally have to, like, you can't tell, like, if Russ is going up for a layup and I run into him, like, you're probably not going to call a foul because he's yeah. so much bigger than me. But, right? He's so much bigger than everybody else he's playing against. It's it's hard to say just because he hit you on the arm, you know, it's a foul. Well, keep in mind, too, LeBron might not care because he just, I got touched, don't touch me, I'm going up for a layup. The rules of basketball clearly stay, and the officials are probably looking at it this way. If you're a defender and you've you've established your space and your ground, if that guy engages with you first, unless you've like blatantly swatted that guy or something, if LeBron engages in him and he goes whether he jumps or just stays on the ground, if he stays within his space and just goes straight up, that's not a foul. Right. He's maintained his space and stood his ground. And just because LeBron engaged and feels like he missed a shot and should be fouled, that's not a foul. And that's what's happening is, like, he gets touched and he, like, bitches about it. At least he didn't get drop kicked like Siakam did. I saw that the other night. <laughs> but then, then like, then they, they showed they cut to another clip of Rondo comes out of a timeout. And he's going out of his way talking to the official. That official just ignores him. So he yells down the court to the other official and, like, demonstrates on Harden, like, what he's bitching about. It's like. Do you guys care more about winning this game or what the refs are doing? Does that make you wonder more? And obviously we've seen refs get in trouble for it before. Like some refs are probably show favoritism to certain players. And I don't know if that's the case, but they show favoritism. So, you know, I can, I know I can go talk to this guy because if I talk to him the next time down the court, I'm going to get a call. So here's what I do know. I watched this a couple weeks ago. Who was the, there was the ref. That was busted, right, for betting on games? Donahue, I think it was. Donahue, yeah. So he was on a a Barstool podcast, and he talked about, like, Mm -hmm. they said, how did you know, like, what games to bet on? You know, did did you make calls? He said, I didn't make calls that I was like, oh, this is going to impact the bet. He goes, I knew before the game because they would have meetings, and they would go into these meetings and literally be told. They'd show them footage and be like, oh, this guy complained about this, so you got to call this more tonight. Yeah. So he's like, I would call the people I knew and be like, "Hey, we just come out of a meeting. We this is you're going to see this called more tonight because Iverson complained about it, and that's literally how it would go. Right. So that's so now the guys were seeing that very transparent on the court. LeBron's bitching about it on the court or whoever it is, mostly him. And yeah, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing it on the court. So then he probably complains after the game. These refs get footage, and it's just just go and play basketball. Yeah. You're getting paid stupid money to play a a game that kids love to play in their driveway. And I saw guys spend more time bitching about what the refs were doing last night. They're playing basketball. It was pathetic. It's hurting. You want to talk about hurting your brand? Like, I don't want to watch that. I don't, I don't care. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to watch that. I want to see a Lakers Celtics series. Celtics are taking it all away. I think Celtics might be the best team in basketball right now. I'm, I'm, I have, so last night is the most I've watched it. I hope the Lakers are eliminated. I I think there's a really good chance the Rockets beat them. If the Rockets can shoot better than they did last night, they'll beat the Lakers. Yeah, but I, I, not over the series. I don't think they'll beat them. So why? Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis will just take the. That's game it. Over. But what if those two don't show up? But they do show up. 
Yeah, but that every, you pretty cannot, much every game in the playoffs they've showed up. You so. cannot show up every night. That's just that's just sports in general. Right, that's what you say, but they they always do. So until they don't show up, then I guess you can't. And it can happen. That's right. why the Celtics will win. They're the most cohesive team out there. That's why seems. I think Celtics. Talk about a guy who uh, walked into San Antonio and they lost the game, and he blamed it on the air conditioner being broke. And he cramped up. He sat on a bench and cried about it. It's too hot in here. Is yeah, that kind of like the Yankees blaming the lights the other night? What the fuck does the Yankees have to do with LeBron <laughs> bitching about? I just want to drop that in there. I just, just a bit outside. Mm, <laughs> I just I don't I don't. They're beatable. LeBron and yeah, well, LeBron and AD but. can't go out and put up seventy combined every night. It's not going to happen because you go in. It's they're, they're they should be professional athletes. You can make adjustments and defensively to shut that down. It's my opinion. It's basketball. You can you can arrange defenses. You can shut down one guy and force somebody else to beat you. That's what I think is going to happen. Just my take. Anyway, I digress. You mentioned hurting brands. Did you uh, see any tennis highlights? Do you, <laughs> do you think Djokovic, do you think that hurts his brand? Or do you think that hurts tennis as a whole? Because what I see on social media are people not calling out Novak, but calling out Roger Federer. We're having similar instances, but not getting DQ'd. And they, they, all that articles say, do certain tennis players play by a different set of rules? I didn't see the. F- you said Frederer? Yeah, they were pulling old clips oh. from old majors. Has he ever hit somebody square in the face? I, I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> square in the face, but he's he's hit balls like that. Just well, yeah. Well, I think hit they, him and hit lines. I don't. Before. I don't watch much tennis, but I, yeah. I assume they all do that. But I don't know. So I thought it was odd that he got. DQ'd or whatever, whatever you want to call it. it yeah, I, I'm odd, not big into tennis. I I saw a quick blurb on TV walking by the other day, and one of the analysts said they were glad that he got treated like any other player because apparently it is in the rules or whatever. Just, it seemed egregious know. to just DQ him. I mean, yeah. he's not trying to peg the chick in the neck, obviously. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I'm excited to hear it. That's... So, Djokovic, Novak, Djokovic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch – I don't watch tennis. I did watch this clip a few times. Djokovic clearly had some sort of beef with this line judge, ball lady, whatever the hell she was. He he clearly tried to hit her on purpose, in my opinion. He was clearly trying to hit her or send a message, hit the ball right next to her head or something, okay? So if that's same treatment for all players, then I guess he deserved to get DQ'd. Okay. That's what they were saying. They were happy. Somebody said they were happy he got the same treatment. Just He got DQ'd, and, and they didn't care about his status. Carry on. But that ball was probably moving 30 to 40 miles an hour, okay? And that lady dropped like she got shot in the neck with a 308. <laughs> All right. Now, <laughs> this is where he was going. If, if I hit you in the head right now with a tennis ball, it – 40 miles an hour. How about if you chip one at me while I'm on the putting green? <laughs> <laughs> who, would, Adam? Who, who would do that? You, you know what? That's actually a, a, a outstanding <laughs> example. You I didn't, you didn't drop to the ground. because <laughs> Only because I wanted to guard your feelings. I got on the team and was like, guys, that yes. my hand is going to be bruised. Now imagine a tennis ball that's softer moving at a slower speed than that golf ball that Adam hit you with. That was a line drive I hit. And you dropping... Like you just got shot in the neck. I should have in hindsight. <laughs> just so. flopped like a fish on the putting green. It's a foul judge. 
Was it an asshole move by Djokovic? Did he mean to hit her? Yes, I believe he did. Did she flop worse than LeBron? Yes, she did. There's your LeBron. So, so, so and, and to Russ's point, I think, I don't know much about tennis, obviously, but that I believe that lady standing in the middle has nothing to do with the balls. He should have hit that to one of the kids that usually stand on the end, yeah, right? I don't even know what so her job like, I think she's a, I she's think she's a line, line judge. She's standing sure on, the on the line to make sure the ball is either in or out. Oh, oh it's the ends. Yeah. yeah, so okay. there was probably a call or two that he didn't like, and <laughs> yeah. instead of bitching like LeBron, he hit her in the head with a tennis ball. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what happened before that. I just saw the yeah twelve correct. second Twitter clip where he turned and like, I I don't know because like you said, there was clear. There's there, probably there's gotta be, some, there's there's gotta gotta be a radar. There. There's gotta be a radar on that ball, right? There's something, gotta get it. There's something happened, and then he hit the ball at her. But then his quick reaction after he did it was like, oh shit. Yeah, like oh shit, I actually hit her. <laughs> yeah, she she didn't she didn't move quick enough. But her reaction was a tad. You can hit me in the throat with a tennis ball. I'm not doing that. She literally was like, <laughs> yeah. she like couldn't breathe. I'm like, she acted like somebody in the row right above her dropped a bowling ball on her head. <laughs> it, it's one I mean, of the few on. times. It's one of the come few on. times where tennis isn't just straight up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I wasn't gonna. That was going to be one of my duds of the week, so we already got into that. Joke of age. But Back off my duds. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry. I won't, touch, I won't touch your duds. What do we got? Uh, uh, Adam's got a college football yeah. update. What are we time-wise? We're at 113. Okay. We're good. Uh, a little college football update. Eight, so, so a couple of smaller conferences have already started playing. There have been no spread of COVID or anything. Everything's been good with all teams so far. ACC and the Big 12 are starting play this week. SEC, SEC is starting in two weeks, I believe the week of September 26th. And the plan is right now the Big 10, Nebraska's president said they're going to get ready and vote very soon, and the plan is the Big 10 to actually start playing October 10th. Did the Big 10 initially, they initially voted to not play, right? Correct. Okay. And That's then they had a, a bunch of politicians asking why they weren't playing and questioning questioning why they weren't playing everybody else was playing um, i i could see that because we we talked i think we talked about it the economic impact of like to me college sports i'm not going to say it brings in more money in pro sports but i think it might have a bigger impact financially on some of these oh, smaller towns yeah college i think pro sports are in big towns or big cities and stuff where colleges that is what's in the town. That's a towns that are built hence, around the yeah. Hence the word college towns. Yeah. Uh, so I think the economic impact is huge. Well, I could see local politicians, even state politicians, saying, "Yeah." So, whoa, so I think whoa. a couple yeah. of politicians saying, "Hey, you guys need to reconsider." So I the I read today, probably well, probably like eight hours ago now, but the Nebraska president said they they plan to vote very soon. Yeah, I saw some crazy so, numbers, economic the, impact. Like right. Yeah, there's been. There's been a lot of stuff thrown out, and I think they're finally. I think they're realizing the Pac-12 still hasn't announced anything, so they might not play. And I think they said they they've said no national, no actual national champion or anything like that this year. But at the same time, they said there will be a national champion, it just won't be the real national champion. But the Big Ten's like, well, we want to play for it. So oh come on, because because they told the Big Ten, yeah. you know, if if you play in the winter or spring. You're not going to get to play for that, and they should. So right, right. So they're now they're like, well, we want to play for that. So, so like off the top of my head, the one that comes to mind is they said University of Texas 
Would they have? Would they have twelve games? Six home games, six away games. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, all the conferences have been yeah. a little different. But so with the home games, they said they asked their their economic impact that they see an influx in for home games for college football season. It's like three hundred million dollars for that town. Yeah, it's huge. yeah. Austin obviously Austin's a bigger city. Austin's a little but, bit bigger, but that but was still, just. It's, and they said Tuscaloosa that, was like two hundred eighty. Yeah, million. I say Texas. Texas is all Austin has. Yeah, it's a big city because of the University of Texas. Right. Yeah, it's so, probably is the draw. Which is that's funny why. Town. Which is funny why you have Nebraska's the one really pushing this in the Big Ten. So that's why it's it's funny. Well, what else is Nebraska other than well, cornfields? <laughs> right. <laughs> so two quick things. We won't go down a wormhole or anything, but the first one is I'm really excited, and I hope that they do play and get their whole seasons in because, like you were saying, with the economic impact, not only is it the town, but the colleges themselves. Those football programs pay for all the other sports. So you're already seeing colleges yeah. cutting golf and tennis. They're first yeah. and foremost somehow. Maybe it's because they hold a special place in our hearts and we want to see those programs. Not tennis. Not, not tennis. Golf is <laughs> golf mostly. Uh, <laughs> but to move on to the second thing, I as hopeful as I am that they're going to make it through their 12 games, I have a lot of friends that are a little bit younger than me that are all in college right now. And all I'm seeing on Instagram and yeah. Snapchat is frat party here. Party at this house, party at that house. Are they putting these football teams in bubbles like they are in the pro sports? Are they letting them go out on Friday night and go to parties? I, I don't see it lasting yeah, if that's yeah, the way yeah, it goes. I, I assume they're keeping the sports programs closely knit. You hit the nail on the head, though, with these, some of these bigger colleges and their football programs that are bigger. I mean, I've seen stuff like when they were talking about the Big Ten canceling. You know, there some of these. There was a parent from Ohio State who flew right. to. Isn't their office in like Chicago or something like that? Yes, for whatever yeah. it was or in Indianapolis. He yeah. flew to their office and was like, "Okay, if you don't want to answer my question, then you're going to do it in person. I'm going to show up. My kids playing football." But to your point, like people are like, "Well, they're not there for sport." The the people who didn't want it, you know, they're not there for the sport. They're there for the education. It's like, yeah, your kid has the facilities, the resources, the college is what it is. Because of some of these schools, their football program, the money they bring in, it's ridiculous. And then you have people who you have buildings in these donations because you have alumni who went to that school and they're they still have that deep pride in their college and their college sports and they 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 dump all this yeah. money back into it. Think about all those NFL players. Obviously, we can talk about other sports. One one I think about is obviously Syracuse has a ton of money, but. Carmelo obviously came back and built that field house for Syracuse. Yeah. Like, th- those are things that those guys that make it to the pros in whatever sport, they go back and, do- and donate stuff yeah. to the school. And Don't you love that when you make your student loan payment and you check your email and it's like, hey, would you like to donate to the college? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, bro, I did that for four years, actually. <laughs> You're welcome. And I know I've talked about it before, but and you guys are big hockey fans. The biggest sport in Columbus, Ohio, is Ohio State football. Right. It's not Columbus Blue Jackets. It's not. It's the not the Browns. Team. Are you? They're they're, they're in Cleveland. They're just in so Cleveland. You know. What did Ge- you say? Ohio was it Columbus? Oh. Geography. Oh, sorry. I thought, I thought you said Ohio as a whole. That's, 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 that's why he's a stat man, not the geography man. <laughs> but I mean, it really is. I mean, the biggest thing out there yeah, is. Oh yeah. Right, and that's a lot for. As you mentioned, those you know, University of Texas and all those places. That's even Alabama. Alabama, right? That's a small town. They, there's no, there's no pro sports down. You know, Alabama. That's a state. <laughs> I was gonna say, you, you guys just called him all. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying Alabama in that in that town, like Tuscaloosa. <laughs> that's a small. Tuscaloosa is a small town. Yeah. So 
yeah, Alabama, Mississippi, there's no big cities there, so they rely on those colleges. They don't have pro sports. Right. They rely on those colleges. Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, you want to move on to our three stars for the week? Do you want to give a NFL predictions real quick? We can do NFL predictions, yeah. Since we got tomorrow, or when you're listening to this, Thursday, we'll say. Yeah, Yeah, Thursday. We can have a long episode. Who cares? We'll go through them quick. So I got I'll go first. I'll go, uh, so I'll go through my whole AFC. I got the Bills winning the East, Steelers winning the North, Colts winning the South, and KC winning the West. Um, I'm also taking the Bills in the East. The North, I'm taking Baltimore. The South is a shitty toss-up division, in my opinion. Uh... I knew I was. I got Colts and Texans written down. Maybe I'd make a decision last minute. I'm going the Colts and the Chiefs in the West. Um, for the East, I'm going Bills. For the West, I'm going the Chiefs. For the North, I'm going to go Pittsburgh in hopes that Roethlisberger stays healthy. In the South, I'm going to have to go with the Colts as well. Tennessee's an interesting pick there in the South too. Now with Clowney signing there, but they're yeah. they're still their weakest part. I just keep every Tannehill, time. So yeah, every time I think about Tennessee, I think that they gave Tannehill all that money and he really didn't do much in the playoffs yeah, so. last year. So they mean they got that, that division's got three teams that definitely could win it. So do your predictions over there? Yeah, uh, for the AFC East, I had, I want the Bills. Obviously, I mean. You got Josh. If you want to stay on this podcast, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Although I am excited to see Cam Newton. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting thing. I'm curious about that, yeah. Yeah, more curious than excited. Uh, North, I'd like to see the Browns do something finally. I'm not saying that that's a great prediction, but eventually it's got to happen. How can it not with those weapons? That's right. Okay. Uh, Colts are always a solid pick, I feel like, to at least make the playoffs. Hard to see him going all the way, but mm-hmm. put him on the list. And then uh, Kansas City. I mean, yeah, Andy coming up Super Bowl. Yeah. All right, NFC. I got. I got. I got to stick with my my what I said probably four months ago. I got Eagles in the East, uh, Minnesota in the North, the Saints in the South, and San Fran in the West. Um. I'm also taking Philly in the east. I'm also taking Minnesota in the north. In the south, I'm taking Tampa Bay. I think they're going to do better than many people wish to admit. And (laughs) in the west, I'm taking Seattle. So the east, I'm going to take Dallas. Not a favorable pick by most people, but I just feel like I don't know. I think it's Dallas. Uh, in the West, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Arizona. I think that we could see Murray, which, by the way, Hopkins signed for a shitload of money. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Yep. And it's like 45 guarantee or something. And who negotiated his contract? Tre'Davious White. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh wait, who negotiated? Yeah. Oh, he didn't have an agent. He didn't have an agent. Yeah, we talked about it last oh, week. So. Yeah. Uh, in the north, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Say it. I can't believe I'm going to say this. 
I'm going to take Detroit. I could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the South, uh, I'm going to see a resurgence. I'm going to go Falcons. All right. this, it's sacrilege for me to not take them in the North, to not take Detroit, but you watch Stafford choke enough, you just start to learn. Like, fool me once. <laughs> How does George Bush say it? Fool me once. How does that go? Regardless, I'm taking the Packers. Uh, East, Eagles. I, I want to take the Washington football team, but it's hard to even. Who do they have? Exactly. Uh, they got scary, scary Terry. <laughs> scary Terry. Uh, the South. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see Tom Brady. So. Yeah. I'm, yep. It, it's a toss-up down there, but I'm going to take the Bucks, And then the West, Seahawks. It's a good pick. It's tough to it's tough to go against Russell Wilson. He's just a gamer. Mm-hmm. So. I don't really like many of the NFC teams. It's hard for me to be picking from divisions when I'm looking at the teams and going, Ugh, I don't like any yeah. of you guys. It, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of division games this weekend, obviously with no teams having yeah. preseason games. Especially like Tampa and New Orleans play each other, right? So there's an interesting matchup yeah. to start the year off. So yeah, that's a tough game out of the and gate. That's, that's why I give that to I probably give it to New Orleans just because I did my picks. Played together, so I did my picks. I was like, yeah. Uh, mm. There was a lot of games I just didn't want to dig into, and I'm like, I wouldn't put money on that. Right. That's why I listed a couple of games on there like to avoid. Yeah, one of them was Atlanta, Seattle. I think that the game just it could just turn into like the air show. <laughs> take the over. That exactly, yeah. <laughs> take the over and watch the show. Yeah, tight pay lines on games that mm-hmm. are such toss ups. It was like minus one on that game, but we won't get into that. It's on the threestarrecruits.com if you want all the information. All right, let's get into our stars, I guess. Who wants to go first? I only have one. Let me just get it out of the way. You have a star this week? Normally you just got a dud. I I don't want to step on your dud toes. (laughs) The only reason I really have this one is because he's not only won himself a few million dollars, but he uh, won me 40 bucks out of you guys. (laughs) That would be Dustin Johnson. Jesus. How do you not pick him? I don't know, but I got Allie now going cargo fast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Car ran good. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have a lot to say about it. I mean, you go win, lose in a playoff, win again. Yeah, over $18 million in the last three weeks on tour. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Decent. It's not bad. Decent over the last few yeah. weeks. Go ahead, you can go first. All right, so my third star is Jalen Ramsey, and not because he signed his contract today. Um, so someone I follow on Twitter, she is she actually works at Florida State. She's on the faculty there, but she also takes professional photos for Florida State Jaguars Bucks. A few years ago, she had tweeted saying she was looking for a brand new camera so she could expand her camera. She wanted a nice Nikon D5 camera. It's like $6,000. She's in her early 20s. So I can't afford that. Jalen Ramsey actually sent her a message knowing her from Florida State and paid up part of for her camera so she could keep taking photos good so, guy jalen ramsey so he's my third star and i actually sent her a message to make sure i could share that story so oh you did I did, did she respond she did nice nice <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh my third star mr xander shelfley the man who actually won the pga tour championship tournament he uh Twice in four years, right? Started three under, 
actually shot 15 under to get to 18. He did not get the $15 million, but in my eyes, he's the man that won the tournament. <laughs> what you got? I think this is the one. <laughs> that works. I need a label maker. Cause yes, I'm just shooting in the dark here. <laughs> you, you said that last week. You didn't bring one. Uh, I'm going to go my third star. Is, this might surprise you guys. You've turned me into a hockey guy. I like it. Just, um, one I'm going to go with, it's going to seem weird. They lost the game. But I'm going to go with uh, the goalie from the Canucks, Demko. Uh, That's a good pick. They lost that game 3 nothing. He technically only gave up one goal because they scored two empty netters. But at one point, I believe the Canucks only had – they had less than 10 shots on goal, I think, at some point in the third period. Yeah. And I texted you, and I'm like, this is painful. Was, I mean, they're just shelling this guy, and somehow they're still in the game with the possibility of going on to the next round. And I felt bad for him. So he is my third star of the week. That's yeah. gutsy performance. He showed up when the rest didn't. I think at one point he made like 92 saves in a row over a couple game span. Yeah, he had 30 so. he had 33 sa- so this is ridiculous. They have him down for uh shot attempts 34 saves 33. He let up one goal. Those empty okay. netters go against him? No. That's what they had. I'm looking at stats. He did let one up to uh Well, 34 33. Man, how much beard I have tonight. <laughs> Theodore. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Math guy. But did you get the putter? <laughs> Then we'll talk about the putter. <laughs> you have to spend the night with the putter again today. So, Go ahead. so my second star is Miami Heat for knocking off the Bucks, number one seed in the East, and headed to the Eastern Conference Finals. All right. My second star is Yoel Kiviranta. He is a forward for the Dallas Stars. And game seven, he had a hat trick two goals in regulation, and one in overtime. And he was the first rookie in the history of the National Hockey League to have a hat trick <laughs> in a game seven. He's only played 16 career games. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, it's decent. Hold my beer. Watch this. Mo- most awkward post-game interview ever because he's from Finland, barely speaks English, was trying to be humble. It was awkward. What's more awkward, him or Dustin Johnson? <laughs> uh, Car ran good. At least Dustin has a general grasp of the English language. I'm glad I, you put it with general. <laughs> I've never seen anybody win $15 million and do this. Yeah, that was the worst <laughs> fist bump ever. That's some well, North Kakalaki marble me, mouth right yeah. there. Well, his $15 million that prize was waiting for him afterwards. Maybe he can take some speech <laughs> to me therapy. That, to me, that's also a product of there being no fans there. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. true. It would be far more exciting if there well, was. Well, well said. Yeah. Uh, my second star is... I rewatched the fight. I'm going to go to Alistar Overeem. Yep. The conversation you and I had was we've talked about all these heavyweights. He came out and won. He's calling out Rosenstruck right now. He did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he wants to fight. I like that. Uh, I've watched a lot of Overeem's fights, including one in person. I was actually impressed. I felt like that's some of the best he's looked in a long time. Just yep. his timing and his fainting, even on the ground game. Yep. Just top notch. I don't know if anybody would have beat him that night. So I'm going to go with Overeem as my second star. Like yeah, he's very quietly sneaking back into potential belt. But like, and, and like you star. said, like he's going to keep fighting. But if you like you said, if he loses a couple, he's probably going to retire. Yeah, because he's. I mean, the guy's got a ton of fights, which we talked about last week. Yep, I like it. I might have changed my first star. I don't know. Braves got 22 runs in the 
through five innings. Um, tonight. Uh, my first star is Braden Point. He 14 games in the playoffs. He has 23 points plus 11. Game one against the Islanders, two goals, three assists, and a yep. plus four. So he's been tearing up yep. the playoffs. So definitely. I mean, I mean, Kucherov have been, but yep. My first star is the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a fun fact for Stat Boy. Not just for you, but you're the Stat Boy. So Write this down. So the Vegas Golden Knights came in a league in 2017. They already have 28 playoff wins. So 28 games won in the playoffs. Do the Rangers have that many? That's The Rangers aren't here, but ironically, that is more than four other franchises. And uh, I won't go through the whole list, but the oldest being Florida. The Florida Panthers have been in the league since 1993 and only have 19 playoff wins. So in their three years, they've done more in the playoffs than the Panthers have in 27. So Golden Knights, my first star. That's a good fact. So you've already man- mentioned uh, Mr. Shoffley, which he's actually not my first star, but you're close. My first star is Scotty Scheffler. And this is a, this is a, this is a, it's everything added up for him. We're talking about the guy who was the latest Mr. 59. He flew under the radar coming out of college because of the Morikawa, even Morikawa flew under the radar because Hovland, Doug Gim, who played at Texas with Scheffler, came out. He got all the attention because he finished runner-up at the AM, played in U.S. Open, played in the Masters, was a low amateur, I believe, in both. Uh, Scheffler came out, flew under the radar, with the Corn Ferry Tour, made it through Corn Ferry Tour, like kind of like last half of the year. He was, I think he was Rookie of the Year last year in Corn Ferry Tour is what he was last year. Uh, Scotty Scheffler makes it to the Tour Championship. How does he make it? He makes a big move, moves up 12 spots. If we would play the Tour Championship like we all think they should, Scotty Scheffler should have made $5 million, not $2.5 million. So there's a idea of how much the impact is. Yes. So he did make $2.5 million. So, and he probably would, he was, he, I can't remember where he started. Where did he start there? So he started two under. He actually shot 12 under to get to 14. So he actually would have came in second, second place. place. So he also shot better than DJ did on yes. the weekend. More co- or uh, excuse me, Shelfley and Scheffler were the only two guys yep. who shot better than DJ. So my first star, Scotty Scheffler. Is yep. is, like is he rookie of the year on the PGA Tour? Right. No. Morikawa. Oh. oh. Yeah. I don't think he. Yeah. Is he technically in the this rookie stands? Yeah, because this is his first full year. All those guys. So were, they haven't even been talking about him. So that's why I didn't think he was qualified for the rookie. I'd have to look that up, but I'm. Every, thought, everyone's talking Hovland versus. Uh, Scheffler. Really? Yeah. Morikawa came out when Hovland did. Yeah, Morikawa. They came so out at the same time. That's what I thought, but no one's even mentioned Morikawa, so that's why I don't know how... I don't know if he's played in too many events. Because he right Because he's played, played in almost 30 events now. So yeah, I don't know what came the, out after college last year. And yeah, played so I don't, know what the, I don't know what the rules are, but everybody's talking about Scheffler versus Hovland. So. Interesting. I need to look and that up. Everybody's, a lot of people are giving Hovland because he, he's got to win. So I'm still giving but, Scheffler. So... Hovland's win was last year, technically, kind of. Well, it was, yeah, part of the wraparound, I guess. But yeah, but that's it's towards him. Yeah, it's still on the season. Though. It's still in the yeah. season, so. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. That, 
not discrediting what you're saying. I don't understand why Markow wouldn't yeah, that's a, be eligible if he and Hovland came out. The they same all time. came out of together because remember there was a playoff last year with Morikawa and uh, Wolf. Wolf. Yeah. Right. That's when Wolf got his win. So yeah, I don't. I don't understand. Why yeah, I don't know. But yeah, everybody's talking about Scheffler versus Hovland. So I don't interesting. Know. I want to know who everybody is. We got to talk to them. <laughs> that's right. We want their stats. <laughs> all right. Let's hear the dud of the week. You're not gonna like it, but if. If it's true, you got to take it, and it's the New York Yankees. It's actually my dud of the week, too. Yeah. I looked up a stat, and then Adam actually sort of one-upped it. I hadn't gone deep enough down the wormhole. They have lost la- their last seven of eight. And mm-hmm. what was the number you said? They've lost 14 of 19. 14 of 19. I mean, in a shortened season, to lose momentum like that, you got to just think it's – it's over for them at this point. They're at a. They're back to a 500 record. I mean, they're still. They're technically in a wild card spot, I believe. Right. Yeah, because so. they've expanded the playoffs. But they're. But, but they're. Can you a turn this, from being out of a? Yeah. Wild can you card turn spot. this train around? They can. Not I've always fan. considered myself a realistic Yankee fan. I would also want to consider myself a hardcore Yankee fan. A few years ago, I was hoping for the Yankees to actually play like shit because they needed to rebuild. I was not in agreement of their lineup where they just threw a bunch of home run hitters out there and just every guy got up traded out of the park. It cost them the playoffs that year. And I was upset they made the playoffs that year, to be honest with you, uh, which might sound weird as a fan. And then I was excited when the young guys came in, the, the Aaron Judges and those guys. And then I was upset that they signed Stanton, which I thought was a complete waste of money. For the amount of money in his age, he's not really worth it. You could have put other guys in that lineup, younger guys, that could build that lineup around Judge. Step was looking, question, questioning that. I agree with that. The money they gave him versus his health record, ridiculous, is not worth it. The guy's hurt more than he's healthy, and he's continued that while being in New York. Yeah, and to bank thirty mil a season on somebody like that is not smart. Understandable. The, the Yankees they lost are, fourteen to twenty. Now they won tonight. Yeah. So. so the the Yankees are a, and I'm not being biased here. You guys would probably both agree with this. The Yankees are might be one of the most powerful offenses in the league. When healthy, yes. Am I wrong? Or? No. Yeah. So the the issue is because Stanton is hurt all the time. <clears throat> the Yankees, in my opinion, are easy to beat if Judge or Stanton, either one of them, is hurt, not a lineup. Because if Judge is in a lineup and Stanton's in a lineup, you can't pitch around both of them. But if one of them is hurt and one of them's in a lineup, you can pitch around one of them and take your chances with the rest of that lineup. Stanton, to me, was not a good pickup. Judges had injury issues that, if at this point, have come concerning. They need to figure that out, or they need to find a better team doctor for his calf or whatever the hell it is all the time. Maybe talk to A-Rod. They also screwed up, <laughs> how was it, two years ago? They got rid of Cervelli? No, much longer than that. But, yeah, but they got rid of probably. Cervelli when they shouldn't have. It's probably, it's probably been six, seven years. But they should have never got rid of Cervelli. That was right around that time when they were like, we had this conversation on the golf course yeah. the other day. Should have never got rid of Cervelli. They did not need Sanchez. He's just fat and lazy, and now he's benched because yeah. he sucks. I wish I could find him. And I he's one I of the worst f- defensive quarter or uh, catchers in the league. I just saw a stat on Sanchez, and I, I wish I would have saved it, and I couldn't. It was some ridiculous thing, and I'm like, there's no way that's possible that it was. He's terrible. It, it was something about his hitting. He only has, like, 12 hits this year or something. I he's think that, terrible. He's never like, been... Some some team put up like thirteen hits in an inning the other day, 
and it was one more than Sanchez has all year or something. It was, he's he's explosive at times, but it's not consistent enough, in my opinion, to keep him on the te- on, in the lineup. You got better guys. Yeah, I tend to watch catchers more than most people because I was a catcher growing up, and Gary Sanchez is he is by far the worst defensive catcher in the in the major leagues. Yeah. and when you have that situation, he needs to hit three ten and hit 40 home runs to outweigh his defensive mistakes. He's got it, yeah. He is costing them runs as a catcher. So when he's uh, – what's is that his stats right there? No, I got Garrett oh. Cole up here. I can look up Sanchez real quick. I mean, is he even hitting 100? I don't I don't think so. Last time I checked it was like .81. They ben- I mean, they benched me the other you, day. They should have benched me a long to, time. You need to be a perennial gold glove catcher in order to have those offensive numbers. Yep. And stay in the lineup. Yep, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I remember, and, and they brought in Stanton. It, that was it was just I felt like a repeating record. It was a waste of money. You had Clint Frazier, who you we were trying to develop at the time, and like that's the guy that. Yeah, Clint Frazier is who the Pirates want back back in the day when the Pirates still had Garrett Cole and the Yankees wanted to trade yeah. for him. The Pirates wanted Clint Frazier and they wouldn't trade for him. But yet they've left Clint Frazier up and down in the minors, barely Pissed giving him off. a chance. They could have had Garrett Cole five years ago if they had given up Clint. Even Frazier. was it last year the Yankees had Clint Frazier? Yeah, it was last year. Clint Frazier came up, put up some serious numbers while Stanton was hurt. I think it was what it was. Yeah, and then they turned around and sent him down because Stanton came back, and then Stanton just they put him they put Stanton on the major league roster, but he didn't even he wasn't even playing. It was always like a day to day thing with him. It was a waste of money. Sanchez hit one twenty one. Yeah. That yeah. He's got a five fifty seven OPS, which is not good, which is on base plus slugging. Those offensive numbers combined with how bad he is defensively, on any other team he would be in double A. Yeah. Yeah. But they're probably paying him too much to feel like they yeah. gotta throw him down there. Yep. Yeah, I just it's to be honest with you, but what they have, it's 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 unacceptable. And if I'm Cashman, you need to step in and say this isn't okay, and you need to make Boone or somebody make some changes. I think Boone is. I mean, the Yankees got their ish, issues with injuries right now too, but that's that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. I think Boone is a good manager. I think he's a player's manager, but at the same time, you sometimes I feel like the managers take too much flack for their uh, for their issues. But yeah, I know you can you can only put a you can only uh, you can only put players on the field. You can't make a guy hit a fastball. Yeah, I've, and I feel like Boone might not be making all those decisions. I think they're coming from Cashman. Well, if you got a guy like Sanchez hitting that, but you're paying him a ton of money, it looks really bad as a GM. Right. Like you just said, I got to send him down in Double A. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think yeah. even they mentioned because I was watching the Yankees broadcast the other night when they were playing the Blue Jays, and the Cashman was in Buffalo watching the game and even Michael K was like that he never travels to away games. Which is funny that he's doing it in that yeah. because it's like trade the line pass, you know, everything's passed. So something clearly so, something was getting mad about. Yeah. Well since you took my dud of the week, I do have another dud of the week. And it is Joe West, who threw out the Nationals GM who was sitting in a booth by himself in like the what, second or third deck with no yeah. mask on, so he threw him out. Yeah. I mean, I guess he, the, rule, the rules were the rules, though, I guess. That actually had nothing to do with the mask. He threw him out because he was screaming obscenities yeah. at the umpire. Was he really? Yeah. See, I didn't it know that. It wasn't because of But the I mask. caught the audio of him saying he's not wearing a mask or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Joe West said 
he goes, the stadium's basically empty. We can hear what anybody is yelling and the things he was yelling at me. Anybody would have ejected him from the game. Gotcha. All right. So, Either way. But, yeah, still. It is Joe West has a great record. A, it is funny to see a GM get ejected from the third deck. And I love, I love the call. Up. He yelled at Snitker. He was like, he's like, Brian, call security. Call security. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anything else, boys? Don't think don't so. Think so. Football this week. I'm yes, pumped. ThreeStarRecruits.com. Check it out. Yes. All one word. All one word. Three spelled out. Yep. T-H-R-E-E. S-T-A-R. You know the rest. ThreeStarRecruits.com.